UFC Fight Night 135 Post Fight Thoughts. Dun dun dun. Hey guys, Fight Junkie here. The fights literally just got over, so I wanted to jump on here and see what you guys thought and give you my thoughts of what I saw going on. Um, of course, I'm going to talk about the three fights that I originally picked that I thought were good betting opportunities. Um, we'll start there. And then we'll touch on um, one other fight I believe that I thought was interesting. So first I believe we started with Mickey Gall in the last uh, podcast episode. And I thought that that was going to be a good bet. And I think we got him for a submission. And that turned out to be perfect. Uh, Gall came out, did just a little bit of striking, shot in, took him down and submitted him. This is what we were hoping for. If you were on Mickey Gall, this is what we wanted. It couldn't have played out any better. It was quick. He did just enough striking to get in range, close the distance, take him down, and finish the fight. If you remember right, going into that fight, there was some concern about if he was willing to stand up too much to prove to himself and to show the world that he's improved his striking. Well, at first I thought he was going to do that. But he decided... As soon as the opportunity presents itself, I'm going to take it. And that's what he needs to do. His, his bread and butter is submissions, and it's on top. So he needs to get these guys down. What he needs to do is incorporate a good striking base. Of course, jiu-jitsu off his back. He really needs that because when he faces a wrestler that takes him down, that's where his one loss comes from. He couldn't submit it from the bottom. But as far as stand-up goes, he needs to have good stand-up. He, he doesn't need great stand-up. Because all he needs to do is have enough stand-up where he's not getting caught clean, getting knocked out, rocked, this type of thing. But he just needs it to close the distance. Because once he gets his hands on you and can get you down, the kid is good. I mean, this was quick. It was over. Like I hoped it would be over. So hopefully you guys jumped on that. And if you're looking at golf for future betting opportunities, cap him the way that you have been capping him. It seems to me that he's smart enough to realize he needs to improve his striking, but he's not just going to become a one-dimensional kickboxer. He's not going to get rid of his wrestling. He's not going to get rid of his top game submissions. So hopefully going forward, we'll be able to stay on the same type of straight line here when we're looking at his strengths, when we're looking at his weaknesses, to say, okay, this is what we think Mickey's going to do, and then you can go ahead and cap his opponent. And that will start to give you a range of options if you like the fight if it's bettable and depending on what the lines are of course not every mickey golf fight will be bettable so but that's just something to look at hopefully he stays on the same track where it's a lot easier to cap that way instead of one fight he's doing this one fight he's doing that one fight he's working on this one you want to work on stuff in the gym you don't want to work on it in the ring in the cage especially when You've got money on him. You want him to fight like how you capped him to fight. The one fight that we didn't pick, that we didn't bat, that we didn't touch on, was Corey Sandhagen, and he was fighting Yuri Alcatara, Alcatrana, Alcatara, Alcatara. I told you I'm terrible with names, so give me with that. But uh, the reason I wanted to touch on this was simply because it was awesome. Like he, Corey was the favorite. I, mean, I believe he was minus two forty-five, but he was in trouble straight out of the gate. Armbar City. Like it looked like his arm was going to pop right off. People online were calling it a chicken wing, right? Like it looked like this might be it. But the kid survived it. 
And almost immediately when he reversed the position, he started some really good ground and pound. There were a lot of people actually saying that the ref should have stopped the fight in the first round. I don't agree with that. He allowed Corey to fight out of that submission a couple of times in different positions and allowed him to continue and he got out and then he started doing the ground and pound on Yuri and then everybody was like, oh, you know, he should have stopped that Yuri was taking too much damage. I don't see it that way. If you're going to let one guy, let the other guy. Granted, the other guy wasn't taking punches, but you could rip his arm right out of a socket. So it's still dangerous. I thought the professional fighters, Yuri was getting hit. He was taking damage. At the end, he did have his hands up. He was protecting himself. So eh, I'm okay with the first round. The second round is where it gets dicey because Corey just jumped on him right away, got him back in that ground and pound position, and this time Yuri just covered up and he offered nothing up. And at one point, Corey even looked at the ref and raised his hands up like, dude, uh, are you going to stop it? And the ref didn't give any indication that he was going to stop it right then, so Corey just kept pounding him and pounding him, and finally the ref did step in. So... If you think the ref should have stopped in in the first round, uh, I'll disagree with you a little bit. If you think he was late stopping in on the second round, I agree completely. I think he was too late stepping in to stop the fight in the second round. And apparently the commission or the UFC or somebody agreed because they yanked his ass from the rest of the fight card. So they announced that on, uh, on the broadcast that he was done like, I don't know how many more fights he had during the night, but they yanked him, I guess, because of the way he ref that fight. So I imagine there's going to be some type of disciplinary measure coming up or something. We probably will never hear about it again, but that was unique. You don't usually hear about those things going on. Another big upset on the card. Well, that was an upset, but a big upset on the card was the James Krause victory over Alves. He was almost a four to one underdog and he stopped him. That was impressive. When I looked at that fight originally, and this wasn't on the other, other podcast, I didn't cap this fight for you guys, but when I looked at it, I thought, Alves is going to have trouble stopping him because that's the way the line was um, set. So they had Alves winning, obviously, and they had him winning inside. So when I looked at it, I was conflicted because I could see Alves winning, but the inside was throwing me off. And so that's why I laid off on that fight. I didn't want to play Alves straight. And the inside decision was too murky for me, so I laid off. Which is a good thing, because I really wasn't considering the Kraus upset. So I would have got burned on that. So that's a case where your capping comes into play. And like I said before, being honest, being as accurate as possible. If you don't like something, do not force yourself to play it. It's going to work out worse more often than not. Because remember, we're looking for consistency. And consistency comes from experience, but it comes from skill and it comes from being honest. So I know that might sound weird, like being honest. Yeah, being honest with yourself, not to force yourself into positions you don't want to be. Anybody who's a better out there understands what I'm talking about. There are cases where you can try too hard to make a case to bet a fight. It doesn't matter the line. It doesn't matter if it's boxing. It doesn't matter if it's MMA. The fact of the matter is if you're forcing yourself, you should lay off. And sometimes that works in your favor and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes the guy wins and you're like, oh man, I should have done that. I knew. No, don't worry about it. 
Just move on to the next one. Because remember, we're looking for consistency. And forcing yourself to bet fights is not a good way to win long term. So don't even worry about it. If you have options that come up like that and they're murky and you're not sure whether it's the line, whether it's the style, whatever it is that's causing doubts in your mind, don't worry about it. All you got to do is move on. The other fight we did pick was the Courtney Casey fight and Angela Hill. This one didn't go our way officially. And I say officially because I believe Angela actually won the fight. But I will say this. If you go back and listen to the original podcast, I said it was going to be this type of fight. It went to a decision. It was quote unquote close. And they gave it to Courtney. I don't believe she won. And one of the judges had it something crazy like 30-27, Courtney Casey. That is insane. And that goes back to my rant about MMA fans laughing at boxing fans, not realizing it's already in your sport. These inept, corrupt judges will do exactly what they did to boxing to MMA. If the MMA fans allow them to go down this path, which it's already going, this is not starting. We're on the journey now of bad decisions, terrible decisions, and sometimes just outright ridiculous scores. Like even if you want to give it to Casey, 30-27, and there'll be nothing that happens to this judge. You know how we talked about the the commission or Dana or the UFC, whoever pulling the ref? Well, damn, you need to start pulling these judges. Going, you're not working another fight on this card, buddy. You're going before the commission. How did you get 30-27 in this fight? But it doesn't happen. So all the MMA fans that laugh at boxing, don't like boxing, say it's corrupt. It's coming, baby. You got to do something about it. My little part is ranting on the podcast. My little part is ranting on social media. My little part is just being honest to anybody and everybody that will listen to me and say it's not right. It doesn't matter who I bet on. It doesn't matter who I like. That's not really the point. The point is you don't need corrupt or inept judges screwing up fighters livelihoods and then when you go a little bit deeper messing up the sport you go a little bit deeper messing up people's pocketbooks depending on who bet what that shouldn't be going on but it continues to go on and it's one of the reasons that people joke about boxing but you're going to see the exact same the exact same thing in mma so you can't be naive remember about being truthful and honest with yourself this is the exact same thing it shouldn't matter if you like boxing or not You don't want that to happen in your sport. So you need to be vocal about it. So I encourage everybody that follows us on social media, listens to the podcast, subscribes to our YouTube, uh, youtube.com, fightjunkie2006, by the way. If you haven't subscribed, please do. To be vocal about it. Bitch about it. Whine about it. It's, It's one of the only tools we have. To call light to these judges, to call light to these referees, to plaster to their face all over social media. We have to use technology. This isn't the dark ages anymore. We have to call these people out and say, wait a minute. If you're going to do this and do this consistently, we're going to call you out. And we're going to let the organizations know. And we're going to let the commissions know. You guys have no idea how many times I've been emailing the Nevada State Athletic Commission about shady shit that's going on. Now, granted, I probably get nothing done. They don't really, they're not really open about, oh, yes, uh, fight junkie, we're going to take care of that. No. But the fact of the matter is, people have to do something, or these crooks 
are going to keep doing this over and over and over again. And then people are going to be laughing at MMA just like they laughed at boxing. And it's amazing that I have as much success as I do betting boxing. So what do you think is going to happen to MMA? It's going to be the same thing. It makes betting on fighters like Angela Hill and Courtney Casey almost impossible. So then you have to really restrict your betting opportunities on if a fighter can finish the fight. Remember going in, I said, this is going to be a close fight. Either way, either, either which way it goes, it's going to be close. I can see it going either way. These two have the style, blah, blah, blah. But now you got to factor in the corrupt and up judges. And that's where things get really stanky. Because how are you supposed to know what these three blind mice are thinking? How are you supposed to know? whose side they're on, or whatever shady business they have going on in the back alley to score fights like this that nobody, nobody is scoring that fight 30-27 Casey. That's the thing. Even Casey fans, even Casey betters are going, wow, 30-27 is a little wide. Maybe 29-28, something like that. The same thing with Angela Hill. If anybody deserved the 30-27, it was Hill. In my opinion, simply because Casey just sat on the outside and she's not effective that way. And before you start posting any strike stat numbers, don't. Because I don't trust a guy sitting there with his finger on the button, clicking as many times as they think they can see somebody punch. I don't use them for my arguments and I don't use them against. If I win, I don't usually ever point out punch stats in boxing or strike stats in MMA simply because I don't believe they're accurate. Sometimes I'm watching a fight and these stats come out and I'm like, how the hell is that possible? What fight am I watching? Like, are my eyes not working? Because that's not the fight I'm watching. So don't just leave that kind of nonsense alone. It doesn't matter. In truth, anything I'm talking about right here doesn't matter because Courtney won. If you guys bet on Angela, none of this matters. You're not going to be able to go cash your ticket tomorrow. Your account isn't uh, funded with an Angela Hill win tonight. So all of this is just reflective to say this is this, these are the kind of things that can happen in the sport. So you have to prepare for them and you can get angry about it and you can be vocal about it. But you have to expect it. And when you see these types of things with scoring and stuff, you have to factor that in. If you're going to be a good capper, if you're going to be a consistent capper, you have to factor those things in. I can guarantee you every better that consistently wins in boxing factors in something we like to call hometown judging. Now, it doesn't always mean just because that fighter's in his hometown. It could also mean A-side and B-side. A-side and B-side is basically who's the popular fighter versus who's the unpopular fighter. Who's the star versus who's the opponent. Who's supposed to win? Who's supposed to lose? These things do matter. And in a perfect world, they wouldn't be that way. But as you guys know, the world is not perfect. So the idea is to make money. So how do we do that? We take all the information available. The more information, the better. But as far as that fight goes, hopefully nobody got burned on it. I do think Angela Hill won, but like I said, 
in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter because Courtney got the decision. So what do we do with this information? Well, you're going to use this information and you're going to use it to cap for future fights. So when you look at Angela Hill's record and she has that loss there, remember it's a split decision loss. What did I tell you about Courtney Casey's record? What did I tell you about her split decision losses? This is exactly how you have to treat that with Angela Hill now. You have to say, did she really lose? If so, what did she lose by? Was it close or did she really win? This is where watching the fights and uh, logging that information away in your mind becomes very important because when you look at the record, it's just going to tell you that she lost by a split decision and one of those scores would be 30-27. If you didn't watch the fight, you could think, wow, she may have been dominated. And that wasn't the case. Either way, I don't think Hill dominated Courtney, to be honest with you. I, don't, I definitely don't think Courtney dominated Hill. I think she lost the fight. And so when you look at Courtney, you say, oh, she got a win. It's another split decision. Look at her last, I believe it's three or four fights. Split decision, split decision, split decision. Do you really want to back somebody who's constantly fighting these close fights? This is what you need to look at. And do you want to look at betting somebody when you're getting plus 110, minus 115? plus 125. Those aren't great numbers. Now you could make a case for Courtney if she's like plus 250, plus 350, plus 500. Well, Courtney's always fighting close fights. Even if she loses, she's not going to get blown out. I'll throw a throwaway bet. You guys remember that term that I use? I'll throw a throwaway bet on her. Or even I'll make a legitimate bet on her because I know she's going to make a close fight. Do you see where I'm going with this, guys? I hope you understand it. And like I said, for those that are new to the sport, that are green, that are novice, don't worry about it, guys. I'm going to be here for you. We're going to figure it out together. I'm going to walk you guys down this path. I'll explain it any which way and how many times I need to do it over and over and over again. I told you guys from the start, this is not work for me. I enjoy the conversations. I enjoy the banter. I enjoy seeing you guys leave comments. This is what I do. I don't need to do any of this. My betting sustains me. So why do I do it? Why do I put in this effort? Why have I been doing this for 13 years? It's because I enjoy it. It's not a job. I really do enjoy watching the fights. The UFC is six to seven hours every single weekend. Now, I will tell you this. I do bitch about six to seven hours. And the reason I bitch about it is because of the pacing. So you have fight, fluff, fight, fluff, 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 fight, fluff. That's the problem I have. If you're going to put on 13 to 14 fights on a card, run that shit. Hardcore people complain about this. And it's become more and more prevalent because they're doing a quantity over quality model. So a lot of times you're not even getting marquee matchups. You're not even getting good fights. Forget about if they're superstar names. You're not getting that. But you're getting unknowns that put on terrible fights where every card's going to a decision. And you have hardcore people on social media. You know, there's time zones here. Not everybody's lucky enough to be on the West Coast. I'm in Vegas. Somebody in New York is really pushing the, the candle there, man. They, like, hey, we're talking 12, 2, 3 o'clock, whatever time in the morning. So they're struggling. So if hardcore people are complaining about it, what do you think the casuals are doing? The people that don't even really follow the sport. 
Well, first of all, they probably never even started the card at 3.30 like we do here in Vegas. And what are they going to do? They're going to jump in on the main card or they're going to jump in on the co-main or the actual main event. So it's the hardcore guys that are saying, hey, we don't mind watching this, but please run these fights quicker back back to back so we can get through it. But obviously that's not the business model. So at six to seven hours, so if you guys are in the sport of UFC and MMA betting, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you have to prepare your weekends for six to seven hours of straight content. And remember, when you're betting, like the way I do this is different than other people. I told you guys this in a previous podcast. I don't get up and go to Subway and come back. I'm sitting there tracking every single result and posting it on my social media page. Every single result. And many times, it's multiple fights across multiple networks going on. So I could have two separate boxing on two separate channels and MMA, the UFC fights going on. So I'm trying to post all these results in a timely manner and be accurate. So it's no wonder that I'm like, whoo, this is tough. It is tough. And that doesn't include the capping that you do earlier in the week or when the fight lines come out to say, okay, who do I want to actually bet on? Because remember, that's the important part for me. That's going to be the important part for you. So don't let anybody ever tell you it's easy. If you're going to do it and you're going to do it right, you want to see these fights. So even if you're not posting the results like I am, even if you're not glued to it like I have to be, the fact of the matter is you want to see this. You want to see not only the finishes. You don't want to just read about the finishes or see a gif of the the finishes. You want to be in there seeing and looking for little things, seeing how fighters are reacting, how are their takedown defense, how's their submission defense, how's their striking, how is their punch resistance, what's their speed like, their footwork, what are things you see big holes with, because you use this information later on when you're capping either for or against them. This is the key to it. You have to know, this is why I tell you guys, you have to know this sport, you have to follow the sport. So it won't be easy, But if you put in the work, you put in the effort, you put in the time, it'll be there. And then slowly, you'll start getting better and better and more confident. Just take it easy, take it slow, and we'll just keep working together. And then in the main event. The main event, we had Gaethy and Vic. Now, on this one, I told you guys I thought the line was off. I thought Vic inside was way off. And I thought people were overestimating the losses that Justin had and underestimating how much he had left. And that proved to be true. One punch, KO, Vic out, round one. So what did we learn? Well, we learned that the public isn't always right. So remember that when you see line changes. That's why I told you in a previous episode, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to bet what you think is an accurate cap. It doesn't matter if it's plus money. It doesn't matter if it's minus money. Of course, with minus, you always have risk versus reward. And we'll get into that deeper and deeper. I haven't forgot about the uh, podcast I got to put out for you guys. But the point is, the public was completely wrong. And what did I tell you about the books? 
the books opened Vic, I believe it was like plus 15 or minus 15 inside. Something crazy like that. It was really low. And I said, wow, when I'm looking at that, I don't see it. You can hear my words. They're back. They're there. Why? Because when I capped that, I said, Vic is not the type of fighter that Dustin is, that Eddie is. You cannot just apply the same formula across the board to everybody that Justin's going to fight. Now, that doesn't mean that Justin's back. His next fight, he could get blasted out. It all depends on his opponent. He came out and fought the way he normally fights. So you could cap it accurately that way. Vic fought the way he normally fights. So you could cap it that way. The big problem I had with the way people were capping it and betting it was they were doing two different things. Vic is a long boxer. I saw you heard the whole broadcast. 6-3-6-3-6-3-6-3. But all of a sudden, he was just going to become Mike Tyson and blast Justin out of there. Even with the kicks and stuff that he was doing that were good. But still, that opens you up. It's not like he was just... So good and so much better that he was going to be able to just stay on the outside, hit Justin at will, knock him down, knock him out, take him down, submit him. That's what people were acting like. That's what the lines were acting like. That's like the money was acting like. And it was totally wrong. Now, I'm not going to get every fight right. Don't get it twisted. I'm not tooting my horn with that. What I'm trying to show you is a way that you look at the lines. It doesn't matter that Justin won. If Vic would have won a decision, I would be on right now telling you, do you see what I told you about that Vic inside line? Nothing would have changed. I would have said, this is exactly how I thought Vic would win. If I wanted to back Vic, I would have backed him by decision. We talked about this. So the point of this is, look, look, don't just follow the money. Look, use your skills, use your expertise and cap it accurately, and then you can go with the flow of what you believe is going to happen. Deep down in my soul, I didn't believe Vic was going to stop him. Deep down in my soul, I believed if Justin won, he was going to knock him out. I even told you guys, if you if you have the option of KOTKO, just take that, because that's the only way I see him winning. I don't see him submitting Vic. And he just literally one-punched him. So it's not like I'm Nostradamus or a god or anything like that. Far from it. All I'm saying is once you get to this point, you're going to be able to bypass some of that noise. And that noise was the betting lines and even the books opening that Vic inside line like that. I said that in the previous podcast. It seemed fishy to me. These guys know what they're doing. It almost seemed like a trap. We're going to take this Vic money because look, Justin shot. He's been knocked out already two times. This is a foregone conclusion. As soon as Vic hits him, nighty night. So those are the things that you can look at. And we're not always right. And I'm not always right. And you're not always going to be right. We don't need to always be right. We just need to be right more often than not. That's what consistency is. Sometimes on a fight card, depending on odds, you can win one fight and lose two. And depending on the odds and what you bet, still come out a winner. That's one of the reasons combat sports is awesome because of these odds, especially when you get into props and over-unders and totals and stuff like this. You don't get that in freaking basketball or baseball, these type of things with straight lines and minus 110 and minus 120 and that kind of nonsense. So this affords you an opportunity to sometimes make mistakes and you still come out ahead. 
Now, there's one more fight I want to talk about that I forgot to talk about on the previous podcast, and that was my mistake because my boy Crack Rabbit, who you can follow on Twitter at Real Crack Rabbit, that's at Real R E A L Crack K A K R A K Rabbit R A B B I T. He had posted that he like uh, Hani Yaya to submit Luke Sanders or beat him. I don't know if he said submission, but he said beat him. And I was going to mention that in the podcast and it totally slipped my mind and I forgot it. So when I did the breakdown, I would have said, oh yeah, also uh, my boy Crack Rabbit here says he likes uh, Hani to win and I forgot it. So I did a disservice to you guys because that would have been another winner because Hani went out, got him, took him down, submission. So that would have been another winner. So when I get little tidbits like that and stuff from known guys that I know, I have no problem throwing it out to you guys. Like I said, I'm not looking for some type of credit to be famous or any of this. I just hope you guys like what I'm telling you. I hope that I keep you interested, um, that you can listen to my mumbling and bumbling long enough to get some value out of it. And that's really what I'm here for. So when I get tidbits like that from some of the guys I know that have been around a long, long time, Crack Rabbit actually wrote for um, FightJunkie.com. Um, some of the other guys that I talk to on social media also follow me on um, um, YouTube and they follow me on social media, of course. And we communicate and they give me their opinions on fights. And of course, I have no problem with that. Like I said, this is a, a small community when you're talking about betters. It's almost a micro niche, to be honest with you. Combat sports is small when you're comparing it to like NFL, boxing, NBA, all this stuff. And when you're talking about people who consistently bat and consistently win on both MMA and boxing, it's even smaller. So those guys are valuable to me. And if you're out there listening, you guys know who you are. I want you to know I appreciate all the support, the love, the 13 years we've been, you know, going back and forth. We don't always agree. We don't always disagree. But it's fun to bounce stuff off and talk about why we like this and why we don't like this and how we think we're both crazy because this is going to happen and that's going to happen. It's all fun and games. When you have no ego, it's all fun and games. That's one of the things I want you guys to remember. I'm not going to sit up here and tout that I'm betting million dollars. It means nothing. It means nothing to you and it shouldn't mean anything to you because in the end, what you believe is wealth, what you believe you need to support your lifestyle is all that matters. You don't want to hold yourself up to anybody else's expectations. And I don't want you guys to do that to me. If you guys enjoy my content, great. But don't think I'm a god. Don't think I'm the best thing since sliced bread. There are other people out there, I'm sure, who are much, much better than I am. Not really. I'm just doing that to be humble. But no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But none of that stuff matters, right? Because in the end, you're trying to get yours. I'm trying to get mine. And we just do it together. And when you do that, you cut out a lot of the BS. Because we don't need to spend time going back and forth, talking smack. You know, when it's fun and games, yeah. You guys know who I'm talking about. We talk smack fun and games. But when it's just trolling, the don't feed the trolls, we don't need that, right? Because it doesn't produce anything that we need. We don't need negativity. We need positivity because we're trying to win. We're trying to consistently win. We're trying to do something positive. We're trying to put extra cash in our pockets. And so you want people around you 
that are thinking of the same mindset. How can we do this? Oh, you had this idea. I had this idea. It's the exact same thing successful people in any industry do. They surround themselves with other successful people. And that's why I have the wealth building tips and the mindset tips and all that on this channel because I truly believe they go hand in hand. And as you get further and further down this rabbit hole and you become uh, more of a part of this micro niche community, you will realize that real recognizes real. The guys that are really in it have no ego. Whether we win or whether we lose. I had one of my buddies on social media who had told me that he thought uh, Gaul might lose by knockout. And it was like six to one. And I told him, yeah, I'm sure you heard the podcast. I get exactly where you're coming from. I was worried that Gaul might stand. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope I capped it right. And then Gaul went out and went. And what's the guy? He was humble about it. Like, oh, man, how, you know, that was a terrible pick. I said, Don't worry about it. Right. Don't worry about it. You'll get it back. How do I know he'll get it back? Because he's consistent, because he's a good capper. And that's how it works. I'm not going to sit there and rub lemon in his eye. Why would I do that? He's, he's, he's part of the community. He's valuable. He brings value to what I do because I get to communicate with somebody who is skillful. And that's what all of you are going to be. It doesn't matter if you're skillful right now in betting. If you watch fights, you follow the fights, you can talk about the fights. You're valuable to me. You're valuable because we can talk. We can bounce back information, like-minded. And when you do become more and more successful with the betting, that just grows. And then birds of a feather flock together. And it's why I have a group of hardcore guys that have literally been communicating with me for 13 years. That is insane. So I want you guys to remember that, that you are an important part of what I do and the main reason why I do it. If I didn't get followers, if I didn't get listens, if I wasn't providing value to anybody, I wouldn't do it. I'm not getting rich off of it. I'm not making any money off of it. All my money comes from my betting. So I can do that. I don't have to broadcast my picks. I don't have to tell you why I like this person or why I don't like this person. I don't have to tell you about uh, positive and mindset and things that are holding you back. I don't have to do that. And at the same time, you don't have to communicate with me. You don't have to follow me on social media. You don't have to follow and subscribe to me on YouTube. You don't have to comment. You don't have to spend your time listening to me mumble on this mic. But it's an exchange. We're exchanging things of value between one another. So even if you don't think you're bringing value to me, to the sport, or to your future endeavors right now, you are. You may not see it right now, but trust me, you are. So that ends it for this episode of Fight Junkie. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I will sock it to you tomorrow, baby. Fight Junkie out.